Mayfly, an audiobook project written and narrated by Ray Fletcher. Chapter 14 Do you think it knows we're coming? It wouldn't have told you if it was trying to hide. She pulled out her knife, comforted by its weight. The gate swung open silently. Ash slipped ahead, skin flashing in the beams of light from the windows. Marianne waited, nose full of clean green grass and damp flowers. It helped clear the foulness out of her mind. Ash waved. She jogged up the stone walkway and the steps to join her. As she drew closer, she could hear the muffled sound of the TV. Do we ring the bell? Ash lifted her face, like an animal scenting the air. No one is alive to answer. No one we want. Oh. Shit. Fresh kills. If it's been staying here, it hasn't bothered to hurt them until recently. Until me. Ash looked at her, kissed her swiftly. It made her feel better. Stronger. Sorry. I probably need a mint. A quick hug. Then Ash pushed the door open. It was evident that something was wrong, but she couldn't put her finger on why. The TV murmured the news to itself. The entranceway light showed nothing but a tidy, well-vacuumed carpet stretching away down the hall. Her mother's mint green had been replaced by cream. A cluster of unfamiliar faces looked back at her from the wall. A girl in a life preserver sat on a boat. A boy held a baseball bat ready. A family stood in front of Disneyland. A bride and groom wearing terrible 80s clothes posed on a staircase. They're dead now. The husband and wife were tied to kitchen chairs. Pillowcases covered their faces. Little pools of blood were drying beneath them. She didn't disturb them, leaning down to see what had happened. Whatever it was, the pillowcases covered all of it. They were caught unawares. Ash held up a package of steaks left to defrost in the sink. There should be two kids. There were two in the pictures in the hall. And a doppelganger. Ash looked at the ceiling. Marianne remembered the upstairs hallway, for some reason, in the afternoon light, quiet and dim. Four bedrooms. There had been a guest bedroom, she remembered, and a sort of sewing and office space she had rarely entered, and which had always felt forbidden to her. It's always hard when it's kids. Marianne looked at her, then straightened her shoulders. We should probably stick together. In horror movies, the killer picks off the solo people. They started up the stairs. The air whispered past them, tugging at Marianne's hair, back and forth, regular and even. You can feel it, right? she asked. Like breathing, Ash nodded. They continued on. With each step a weight grew, pressing down on her shoulders. The air grew denser, her lungs labored as though she'd been running. There were too many stairs. They kept spawning up and up, an endless, shallow slope of beige carpet. This can't be real, she said. It can't be. Ash kicked at a bit of carpet. It slipped like raw chicken skin, wrinkling, then shrinking sluggishly back into place. Marianne looked at the wall. The paint was a fresh, pale green. It felt like paint under her fingertips, but warm. She scraped at it with the hilt of her knife. The paint ripped open like skin, exposing glistening red flesh beneath. She frowned, leaning closer. The wall bulged out toward her. Holy fuck! Ash pulled her away, stepping in front of her. Is it alive? Marianne asked. I don't know. Let's go back down. We aren't ready for this. 
Within a dozen steps, they reached the landing. Only it wasn't the first floor. It was the second floor. Or, anyway, a hallway that looked like it, but dim and long enough to vanish into darkness. A wet, foul wind passed over them, carrying the sound of crying before the breathing resumed. They shared a look. Marianne really wanted to take her hand again. The kids? she asked. Ash looked over her shoulder. Seeing her expression, Marianne turned. The staircase had vanished behind a wall. We're going to find out. They started forward. The weeping remained, growing neither louder nor quieter. The constant, steady breathing seemed to come from behind them, following so closely that her skin crawled. On the right, Ash said quietly. A gold-toned doorknob gleamed in the dimness. The crying was coming from there, she was sure of it. It wasn't childish. That isn't you, is it? Ash touched her shoulder. It sounds like my mom. She pressed her hand against the door. After my dad died, she'd go into her room to cry. I guess she thought it was better, like the door was magic, like I couldn't hear. Later it was different. Booze soaked. Did you? Mourn? I cried a lot. It isn't the same, Ash said gently. She leaned against the door, listening to the inconsolable grief. Her heart twisted. I have to help, her hand wrapped around the doorknob. You don't have to. I don't want her to cry. Maybe I can help. It isn't real. She pushed the door open. Marianne, wait! When she turned, Ash was gone. The hallway was flooded with sunlight. Perfect, golden sunlight. The door was bigger. She turned again. It was her parents' bedroom, exactly as she remembered, with a blue carpet and a grey bedspread with big blue roses. All of the proportions were wrong, though. The dresser was too high, and the bed. Mom? Her voice was a kid's voice. Her body was small, a child's body. She was wearing a pink dress that had ruffles around her knees. Mom? A sob choked off. She edged around the end of the bed, reluctant, but she had to see. To help. It was her dad's side. His bedside table with his mystery books stacked next to his ashtray. Her mom was sitting with her back against the bed, wearing a robe, feet bare. When Marianne appeared, she reached quickly for the bottle beside her, shoving it beneath the bed skirt. Go away, Marianne. But get out. Go play in your room. Marianne hesitated, and her mom turned on her, face raw with rage and grief and shame. Go. Get out. Get out. Get out. She fled, tears bursting forth. She tripped over the heavy pile of the carpet. Sunlight flashed in her eyes. As soon as she passed through the door, her body became her own again. She stumbled, unprepared for the change, and crashed into the opposite wall. She slid down it landing painfully on her ass. For a moment, she covered her face, gasping for breath. The dark spun wildly before settling. It had felt real, as real as the actual day. She lifted her head, looking up and down the hall. There was no sign of Ash. Maybe it was the doppelganger. Maybe it got her. I should have cut my hair. A click made her look up. The golden door handle turned. There's no door here. Shit! Before she could get to her feet, the door swung open and she fell backwards, screaming. She landed on something soft. Something was pressing her down. Something was inside her. 
She blinked rapidly, trying to clear the flashing light and impenetrable dark from her eyes. Bobby was on top of her, face twisted up in orgasm. Morning sun streamed through unfamiliar windows, turning him into a shadowy silhouette. She turned her head to the right. A vague, inoffensive landscape painting hung above a polished wood dresser. The sheets were printed with roses. The whole room was soft beige and pink. An ugly floral robe was draped over an upholstered chair. Bobby gave a final, sighing grunt. He kissed her forehead and rolled off. She looked down at herself. A nightgown had been pushed out of the way, exposing breasts that looked wrong. Bigger. Floppier. He'd pushed her nightgown up to her waist. She closed her legs and straightened it, fastening the buttons. The bed rocked. Bobby sat up and swung his legs over the edge. She quickly used the nightgown to wipe herself off. You checked your temperature, right? What? He looked over his shoulder, amused. So hot for me that you forgot? I guess. He was older. Way older. Well into his twenties. All of the wiry skinniness grown in. His hair was off his hair, short on the sides and back. You okay, babe? Yeah, I'm, I'm fine. He nodded and disappeared through a door. A minute later, she heard a shower running. She ventured into a hallway to find another bathroom. On the way, she passed two doors with nameplates hanging from them in the shape of cartoon planes. Bobby Jr. and Anthony. Her father's name had been Anthony. No sounds came from them. Maybe it was too early. This is wrong. She found another bathroom, moved the bucket of plastic toys out of the tub, and scrubbed herself. Her hands traveled over the unfamiliar body. Her legs seemed swollen and her thighs were thick, fat clinging to them in lumps. She grabbed at the soft, sagging belly, pulling at it until it hurt, biting back a sob, gobs of it coating her frame. This isn't real. But it felt real. The pain felt real. The clothes in the dresser were as ugly as the robe and nightgown. She found a pair of jeans and a plain black t-shirt beneath the rest of the crap that fit over the blobby, out-of-shape body she had. The waistband pinched into her like the twist of a balloon animal. You're supposed to rest after. It'll help, the doctor said. Oh, sorry. If I didn't know any better, I'd say you were already pregnant. You always get so forgetful. He sat to pull on his socks. The sooner the better, so you can get back on your meds. Meds? She didn't ask, or wait to watch him dress, feeling only the tremendous bubble of panic quietly growing in her chest. The house was unfamiliar to her. It was nice. The walls were dominated by paintings of lakes and mountains. Bursts of artificial flowers sat on polished wood tables. She stared at a family photo, seeing herself in it. The her in the photo was smiling sort of. Vaguely. Her attention was caught by something beyond the camera, while Bobby and two kids beamed toothily. She stared at the older of them. Her hand went to her stomach, trying to count the years, to figure out the time between the boy in the photo and the thing inside her. Ten? Maybe? She didn't know how to tell kids' ages. This isn't real. Bobby breezed past her into the kitchen. Sorry I have to go into work today. Remember the boys have their baseball practice. Oh, did you forget to set the coffee maker again? She heard an exasperated sigh. How many times have I asked you to do it? It's such a small thing. Marianne, for God's sake. I can... I can start it now. 
Never mind. I'll grab breakfast on the way. She followed him into the kitchen. It was bland, perfectly tidy. She must cook there and clean it. She should take something out for dinner. Steaks. She frowned. Bobby was pulling on his jacket. He was wearing a suit. Did he work at his dad's company? What did he do? She should be able to remember his job. She looked down at her hand. Set of gold rings. A plain band and a matching diamond one. This isn't real. There's dinner at my parents' tonight. Make sure you wear that dress they bought you. It'll make Mom so happy. And clean the boys up, please. We aren't trailer trash. It was the lack of coffee making him grumpy. He'd apologize later. He knew she hated that phrase. She told him that when they started dating. She rubbed her eyes. He'd given a ring to... Not her. To a... Doppelganger. What? When she didn't respond, she heard him sigh. Jesus, Marianne. She twisted a bit of wet hair around her finger, eyes searching the room. This isn't real. Bobby looked up sharply, slowly lowering his briefcase. The irritation on his face was swiftly replaced with concern. Remember what the doctor said. You have to depend on your therapy while you're off your meds. This isn't real, she stepped back. He set the briefcase on the floor. Mayor, maybe you should drop the boys off with my mom. Go visit Dr. McMillan. I was in my house. My old house. I was with Ash. There was a door where there shouldn't be. Is that where it found her father's name? From her memory of the house? Maybe not. Ash said it would know anything that she knew. This is just an illusion. Mayor. He held out his hands, calming, walking towards her cautiously. Stay away from me. It's happening faster this time. Too fast. Babe, I know you want a little girl. I don't. She shook her head, taking another step back. I don't want kids. I don't want this. Okay, we're going to call the doctor, okay? I'll stay home with you. It's going to be fine. I was trying to get back to Ash. She looked around at the showroom perfect house. There was nothing in it that was her. It didn't make sense that there was nothing of her in it. Nothing she would choose. It was a stranger's house. We've talked about this. Real and not real. Remember? Start with your birth date. When were you born? This isn't a dream. This is a nightmare. That's all it is, isn't it? She laughed, spinning around, searching for the doppelganger. Did you think this would get me? This? Her voice was shrill. Mare, baby, don't. She grabbed a knife from the block on the kitchen counter. It swept through the air in a satisfying silver arc, leaving a red spray across the rose wallpaper. Bobby clutched at his neck. He didn't transform or change or melt. He slumped against the wall and slid down, choking. He looked like he was dying. He was dying like a human would die. She looked at the knife, a horrible, sinking terror filling her. Bobby? She knelt beside him. Bobby? Her hand hesitated before shaking his shoulder. Mom? What's going on? It was the older boy, wearing a t-shirt and shorts, eyes still confused by sleep. She could see the understanding spreading across his face just before he started to scream. No. No, you're just fucking with me. She stood, searching for some sign, anything that would prove the unreality of it. This is just some stupid dream, nightmare, whatever. Where are you, you bitch? Come on. Come on and fight. 
Why would I do that? Her doppelganger was sitting cross-legged on the counter. Well done. You caught on quick. Some people never do. It looked at Bobby's limp form in the wailing boy. That is some cold shit, though. They aren't real. I grant you, this isn't real, strictly speaking. But it will be. Just like your visit with your mom was. It waved its hand, encompassing the whole of the house, the real and unreal both. This house is a door to the past and the future. You think that I'm afraid of all of this? Petrified. You can feel it, can't you? This life calcifying around you. Your imagination takes over. Your little glimpse of other worlds shadows your day. They call you sick and give you drugs. But you want another child. A girl that you'll name Ursula. Like the stars you remember from the last day that you were free. The delusions take over. It hopped down. Bobby's head lifted. His eyes had turned milky already. The gash at his throat widened. You promised, Marianne. He and the boy vanished. The wailing echoed in her brain a moment longer. Psychotic break. Shocking. Marianne lunged for it. It laughed, dancing out of range. Now, now, I'm carrying a little Bobby Jr. It darted toward her and grabbed Marianne's wrist. She screamed, a burning numbness spreading up her arm. You can avoid this fate. Fulfill your promise. Take your place with him. And all of this is nothing but a bad dream. Stay in this world and become a murderess, doomed to madness, wasting away in a hospital. Fuck you. It laughed and pushed her away. She stumbled against the kitchen table. It ran for the hallway and she raced after it. The bright morning light turned back into the dim beige hallway. She staggered to a halt, feeling her stomach and arms and legs, her normal self restored. Ash, where are you? Ash! The breath that filled the hall drew in, without knowing why she covered her ears. The scream was deafening. She heard footsteps, heavy ones, rushing toward her and sprinted away. The footsteps fell behind. The even breathing returned. She wiped her eyes. Ash, where are you? She braced herself, but no scream followed. Instead, she heard whispers. Ash! She ran down the hall until she saw something she thought was the end. There was a flash of gold door handle. Ash was walking toward it, graceless and stumbling. Marianne could hear a tumble of English and some other language. Ash, don't! She started to turn. Marianne saw realization spread across her face. The doppelganger appeared behind her, arms snaking around her. Time to go home, bitch. Ash flung out her arm. Marianne sprinted forward. Marianne! The doppelganger swung her around. Ash vanished into a velvet, dark doorway. The doppelganger faded, laughter lingering in the hall. Marianne took a deep breath and plunged after them. Here endeth the chapter. 
Mayfly is an urban paranormal fantasy narrative project with a new chapter uploaded every two weeks until the novel is done or my vocal cords fall off. Subscribe to Patreon for early access and occasional exclusive content. For social media, blog posts, and links to other work, please visit www.houseofvai.com. That's house of V-A-Y-I.com. For past chapters, a one-time donation to coffee is greatly appreciated. Music is White Horse on the Beach by Nature's Eye. It and other royalty-free media is available at pixabay.com. Thank you for listening, and audience is the greatest gift an artist can have.